Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Pet Stuff. From pop trends to hot button topics, strange behaviors, and deceptive marketing, we're here to talk about all things cat and dog, except today, where we won't be talking about dogs at all. That's right, today's episode is all about cats. Where did house cats come from? And what impact do they have on us and our communities? Quick disclaimer, nothing I say should ever be taken as medical advice. If you have questions about your pets, it's always a good idea to build a relationship with a local vet. Okay, so much to talk about. Let's get to it. Sometimes brats, wild one child wants domesticated joys, even one strung out on catnip toys. Oh, All right, we're back. So before we get going, I want to throw out just a few fun facts. Cats are what we call obligate carnivores, meaning that in the wild, cats will meet their nutritional requirements by meat alone. This doesn't mean that cats can't have grains or vegetables because they're able to digest and use carbohydrates just fine. There were an estimated 85 million cats owned in the U.S. in 2016 and approximately 35% of American households have a cat, according to the ASPCA. There are an estimated 80 million feral cats in the U.S. Shelters are being overflooded so full they can't take any more. It's becoming a pretty serious problem. We'll talk about if there's anything we can do about it, what some of the proposed ideas are. But first, let's talk about history. When I was a young kid in elementary school, I remember being told that Egypt was where we started domesticating cats. But now we have evidence that suggests differently. Dr. Carlos Driscoll, a scientist and chair of the World Wildlife Fund, believes that cats were first being domesticated thousands of years before the Egyptian era. According to an article written by the Smithsonian in 2007, it's thought that domestication of cats may have occurred as long as 12,000 years ago. Some clues were first found around the island of Cyprus in 1983. It was a cat's jawbone that was thought to be about 8,000 years old. And if you're wondering, the island of Cyprus is officially part of Asia. It's located just west of Syria, north of Egypt. Then, in 2004, an even older skeleton was found purposely buried with a human. So, we knew that it was older than 8,000 years, and this gave us an idea of how long there's been a relationship between humans and cats. And definitely, these relationships must have held meaning. If you haven't heard of Beni Hassan, the village in Middle Egypt... This one may blow your mind. It's home to a cat cemetery where about 300,000 mummified cats were found. Crazy stuff. 
The Smithsonian also acknowledges evidence that ancient Egyptians were actively caring for cats as far back as 5,000 years ago. Genetic research has traced the lineage of all modern house cats back to the subspecies of a wild cat known as Felis sylvestris, or the Near Eastern Wild Cat. So what's the deal? How did this domestication happen? There were no famous cat experts, so they didn't have a Jackson Galaxy back then. Dr. Driscoll suggests that cats may have sort of domesticated themselves. In fairness, there's still some confusion as to whether or not domesticated is the right word to use. For instance, Dr. Wes Warren, a geneticist and professor at Washington University, says there aren't many genetic differences between wildcats and housecats. So the presumption is that the development of agriculture had played a significant role in domestication. For example, when humans harvested crops, they needed to store them. And this attracted mice, and the mice attracted the cats. So there would have been a symbiotic relationship between cats and people. The cats liked being around for the food, and the people liked the cats because it was free pest control. Okay, so let's move forward in time. What about how cats got to America? Well, some have suggested that cats were actually brought here by Christopher Columbus. This one is a little tricky, because if you don't know, Christopher Columbus never actually set foot on North America. He explored some Caribbean islands, Central America, South America, but no, he never made it to North America. So if this is really where cats came from, we're missing a lot of the finer details. Or cattails. So let's talk about the impact for a bit. I know a lot of us just see cats as cute and cuddly meow boxes or purr machines. But the reality isn't always so cute. For example, a zoonotic disease is an infectious disease that can affect humans and animals, so it isn't species-specific. Man, that's hard to say. Species-specific. Anyways. Cornell University's Veterinary College lists bacterial infections, parasitic infections, fungal infections, protozoal infections, and viral infections that can be spread from cats to people. So, let's cover a few of them here. Have you ever heard of cat scratch fever? This is actually caused by a type of bacteria called Bartonella. It affects about 25,000 people a year in the U.S. It's transmitted through bites and scratches, so your cat may come into contact with this type of bacteria if it lives outside or has exposure to fleas. It's important to recognize that fleas are nasty, disgusting parasites that carry some things that you definitely don't want your pets around. If you live in an area that has fleas, it may not be a bad idea to consider uh, flea and tick prevention. Have you heard of ringworm? If you don't know, ringworm isn't an actual worm. It's actually a type of fungi we call dermatophytes. 
So again, if your cat goes outside, you might be at higher risk of being exposed at some point. If you're a woman that has been or plans to eventually become pregnant, you may have heard of something called toxoplasma. And that's what we call protozoa. They're pathogenic, single-celled organisms, and people usually contract this by consuming something that has it. So, for example, let's say you have a cat, and that cat craps, and it does. You need to take extra care to wash your hands or wear gloves or both. If you're pregnant, then someone else needs to handle the doo-doo duty because if that stuff gets in your fingernails, you start touching your face, touching your mouth, that's how humans can become infected. The last one I'll mention is the one everyone has heard of, and that's rabies. So cats are highly susceptible to rabies. And if your cat goes outside, it should definitely be vaccinated. Of course, humans contracting rabies is really rare here in the U.S., but it's almost always fatal. So that $20 rabies vaccine is a pretty small price to pay if your cat goes outside. We've all had some experience with feral cats, and there's a big debate over how we should approach that problem. Some propose we continue funding for TNR programs, which stand for Trap, Neuter, and Release. Others propose that we trap and euthanize. The AVMA reported on an economic study that considered the costs of trapping and killing feral cats versus trapping, neutering, and releasing them. The cost of eradicating the feral cat population was estimated around $16 billion. But some economists have predicted that the trap and release method or the TNR method may cost taxpayers as little as $7 billion. If, and, and that's a big if, we would have to get enough local veterinarians and shelters to help out by discounting the cost of those services. I pulled a few media clips to illustrate the impact of the feral cat problem. Check it out. She stocks the back seat and loads the trunk, a daily ritual of 30 pounds dry, 30 cans wet, 600 bucks worth a month. Yes, I am, I am now known as uh, the cat lady. Come on, sweetie. The self-described cat lady of Covington feeds 80 to 100 feral cats a day. Once you start feeding them, they rely on you. She is openly defying a feeding ban. It is technically illegal to feed feral cats in Covington and you can be fined. I do it because I think it's right. It is not just a feel-good feeding thing with her. She has home some of them. Like the volunteers we showed you 10 days ago, she has trapped some to have them spayed and neutered at Ohio Alley Cat Resource in Madisonville. Like Orr, she is all about educating others, especially children, on the value of TNR, trap, neuter, return. I have found kittens with arrows in them 
Um, I, my, my most recent rescue, I actually took out of a garbage can right down the street at three weeks old. What I touch on a daily basis is, is not even one one hundredth of, of the problem. Wow. What a heartwarming story. I mean, it really does take a special person to commit themselves in this way. But, but there is another side to consider. Check it out. They're calling it a crisis. We're at refusing intake. Um, uh, like every other rescue group and shelter, I think, in Edmonton, we're completely slammed with cats. Cats usually have kittens twice a year. There's an explosion to the cat population because most cats cycle at the same time. Therefore, most cats have their litters at almost the exact same time. Imagine a world on the verge of a catastrophe. In Australia, indigenous species have been facing one since 1850, when wildcats started to colonize the nation. Since then, they've killed billions of native animals and contributed to the extinction of some 27 species there. Now, in a bid to end the extinction crisis, the state is proceeding with plans to cull 2 million of the feral felines. The government called the cull an essential protection of native species, all of which haven't evolved along the feline predator and so are unable to defend themselves. Okay, so the music was a little dramatic. I get it. All right, moving on. Dr. Peter Mara, the director of the Smithsonian Migratory Bird Center, published a study that was reported by Live Science in 2013, and it showed that cats in the U.S. kill between 1 and 3 billion birds every year, and they kill between 6 and 20 billion small mammals like voles and chipmunks every year. Now, it's hard to know exactly how many birds there are in the U.S., but Dr. Mara believes that cats could be responsible for eliminating as much as 15% of the total bird population. He also claims that cats have led to the extinction of 63 mammals, birds, and reptiles. In an interview with the BBC, he had this to say. It's, it's a complicated situation. I would say, and, and most animal welfare groups say, that cats that are allowed, that are owned, that are allowed to roam outside, that needs to stop. People that, that own their cats need to either put them on a leash or put them in things called catios. But they shouldn't just be opening up their door and letting their own cats roam outside for the evening or for the day. The unowned cats, in those cases, you know, we're not going to get rid of them overnight. But our goal needs to be to get them off the landscape. And I think what we propose happen is that we look at where these cats are intersecting with really biodiversity-sensitive areas, where they're threatened or endangered species, or where they can have an impact on species that are declining in some way. Those cats need to be captured, adopted out. And unfortunately, and it's a sad reality, if they can't be adopted out, they will need to be euthanized. Wow. That's that's some hard stuff to talk about. Dr. Mara's perspective is just one side of this story, and there's so much emotion here, especially because there's more at stake than just a single species. As an animal lover and someone who's personally been involved in the veterinary care of animals, 
to include the euthanasia of sick or injured cats, I don't want to see any unnecessary death. It's absolutely heartbreaking to think about this kind of stuff. But I think we should be sympathetic to the reality that there may be a larger impact if we wait too long to take action. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for today. There's so much to think about, but I hope you guys learned something and maybe you'll take something away from this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or complaints, please send me a message through our website, www.petstuffpodcast.com. If you like the show, please subscribe. Feel free to follow us on Instagram. You could find me at crazydog4, that's crazy with a K. You could find Kendall at Mother Nature 17. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.